Hey, can you can you believe we're already talking about Christmas again? Come on, somebody. I love Christmas. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Come on, have you heard that before? Uh, I love Christmas time, and we got a lot of stuff coming up that you can be a part of and be a blessing in our community, so we're excited about that. And I want to just make mention again, Next Steps, if you're new to our church or uh, just want some information, uh, know about our vision, kind of uh, how we're structured, how you can get involved, all of those things, then we have what we call Next Steps, and that is going on tonight at 6 o'clock. And so that'll be probably, uh, I would say it's usually about an hour and a half long, uh, the way we've been able to kind of condense that into everything that we feel like you need to know and would want to know and uh, how you can figure out how you can get involved. And so uh, we encourage you, go online. Um, go online today. You can do it even during the service, yourimpactchurch.com slash next, and just register. It's free to come. We'll have food there and uh, just want to hang out with you and be a blessing to you and give you some information about how you can get involved with our church and kind of who we are and what we're about. And so I want to invite you to that tonight. And we are, I'm going to jump right in because I have a lot to get to today, and I believe God's going to do something uh, in the service today. Come on, do you believe that? We are in a series, uh, we're coming toward the end of it, but called Simple Life. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about different areas of our lives where, uh, based on this survey, there were four areas that really people, when they were asked questions, the way that they answered the questions led uh, these people that were doing this this research to believe that, hey, there are four areas that really can be, everything can be summed up in. And in these four areas, people are really crying out for simplicity. They're crying out to know, hey, I have complicated my life in this area, and I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I wish we could go there. I wish that we could have this and all these different things. And those four areas that we're talking about are time, relationships, money, and God. And so far, we've talked about three different uh, things. We kind of had an introduction where simple starts. We talked about killing time and a message uh, about our time. And last weekend, we talked about regaining relationships. And I want to encourage you. I'm not going to go back through those because it would take too much time. And I want to get into what God wants to speak to us today. But I would encourage you, go back on the podcast. If you haven't heard those messages yet, go back and listen to those. I think they'll really be a blessing to you. And uh, in those areas of your life. And today for part four of our series, we're going to be talking about money. Somebody say money. Now look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about money. <clears throat> and here's what, I've, here's what I've titled. You just got to get geared up for it. Come on, anytime you talk about money, people just got to get, you know, just loosen up a little bit. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and, and I've titled this message, if you're taking notes, you can always get the notes on the Bible app as well. This message is titled, Save the Ship. Save the ship. And I was reminded this last week about really three topics uh, <laughs> that we can break it down into that as a culture we've decided to avoid in conversation for the most part, right? So we don't want to talk about religion, right? It's like, almost like a you know, taboo. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. And don't talk about money. Don't talk about my religion. Don't talk about what you believe. Don't talk about like we're going to get into an argument. Don't talk about politics because we're really going to get in an argument. Come on, somebody. And don't talk about money because I'll just unfriend you on Facebook if you start talking about money. And we don't like talking about these three areas because they, they do. A lot of times when we have conversations, they can cause arguments or anger or discomfort. Our blood, blood, blood pressure <laughs> starts to rise. And uh, sometimes talking about uh, finances or money reminds us of previous memories of a financial problem, or sometimes uh, 
just to be real blunt, sometimes we're just too prideful in this area to have a real conversation about it. And uh, and the reason we don't like talking about it is because we we just don't we we just don't want to go there. Don't talk about that. Don't talk to me about that. Don't don't ask me any questions about that. Well, today we're going to tackle this topic of finances because it's one of the four most common areas that people, when they were answering these questions, have said if they were honest that they desire to be different. They want simpler. They want different, and my guess would be that today, if you were honest with yourself, and you don't have to say it out loud, you don't have to like nudge your spouse, you don't have to you know, look at the person next to you or anything, but if you were honest, you would probably say, I wish that my money looked different, right? I wish that, I wish that it was a little bit simpler, come on, somebody. Uh, and here's what's interesting to me as we jump in, if you read your Bible, money was one of the most frequent topics of discussion for Jesus, Jesus talked a lot about money, a lot about money. I don't know if you know this or not. Hopefully, you read your Bible. If you don't, you should read your Bible because it's a really great book to read. Come on, somebody. It can help you in your life. It can help you know what to do. Come on, some of you are praying about things that God is not answering because he already answered it, and you just need to go read it. You just need to go read what the answer was, and it's still the same today. You need to get in the Word. But... uh. It's one thing that Jesus talked about a lot, and I can imagine, I was just picturing this in my mind, if we were to bring Jesus into the room today or to go to lunch with Jesus, if you can imagine that, and we're trying to start a conversation, and I can imagine, you know, maybe a conversation with Jesus going like this, like, hey, Jesus, how about those Cowboys? Come on, any Cowboys fans? How about those Cowboys? And Jesus just looks over, yeah, I think this is their year, like we say every year. Jesus is like, yeah, I think this is our year. Hey, can we talk about your money? We'd be like, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're going to go to lunch again, Jesus, because <laughs> you want to talk about my money. Or, or, man, Jesus, that was a great service today. You know, you just really spoke to me. Just, oh, just, mm, I just felt I had some goosebumps or whatever, you know. And Jesus is like, yeah, it was really good, wasn't it? Can we talk about your money? Jesus talked a lot about money. A lot about money. A lot more than probably what you know he talked about in the area of money. And here's what a few people said. I've been doing this every week. but I find it interesting where we can kind of find ourselves in these scenarios that other people that you don't even really know across the world are saying that a lot of times we're saying the same things. And when these over 100 or not 100, 1,000 people were surveyed, these are some of the things they said that they lumped into this area of money, said, I would like to have complete financial freedom to be without worry about any money matters. Uh, One person said, we need to pay down a lot of debt. One person said, I would love to know that my kids and I would have no worries when it comes to money in the future. Another person, I wish I could afford to quit my second job and spend more time with my family. I want a sound future for myself and all of my family members. And here's the reality that that many of us are living in financially. Uh, Just some statistics that they found. 45% of people say that they do not have enough income for their lifestyles. 45%, almost half of the people said we don't have enough money for the lifestyle that we live. And then half of people say that money causes strain in their marriage. Can we just be honest today, all the married people in the room? You ever just had some argument about money? Money's caused some stress. Money's freaked you out. Some of y'all, you ain't even, look at y'all, y'all ain't even raising your hand today because you know that person's sitting right next to you and you don't want to have this conversation on the way home. It's stressful, it's complicated. 
money's thin. Where do we go? What do we do? What bill do we pay? What bill do we not pay? What? <laughs> For many of us, our financial situation is not ideal because bills have stacked up. The income that we thought we were going to get when we took that job hasn't happened yet. We're donating blood. Come on, somebody, to buy a movie ticket. <laughs> I want to go see a movie. We need to donate some blood, something, so we can go buy that movie ticket. I mean, we're, we're robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're, <laughs> it's just not ideal. We're trying to, to fund. Some of us, we're trying to fund a lifestyle that doesn't fit with our paycheck. Can we just be honest this morning? Is debt a problem? Absolutely. We're immersed in a culture that teaches consumption as a way of life. Just consume more. Consume more. Consume. You, even our commercials, like, well, I don't have that, but I want one. Well, I've got one of those, but I want a better one. Well, the new Apple Watch just came out, and mm, even though mine's only eight months old, <laughs> I need that one. Just consume. Well, I met somebody one time that had a boat. Boy, I just I want a boat. Y'all ain't thinking about boat right now because it's cold outside. But it's, oh, man, we went to their house, and their house was bigger and nicer than ours, and we need a new house. We need, oh, we just live on this little lot. We need to get a bigger lot. You know, we need a, we need a bigger place. We, we're in a culture that says consume. Consume more, consume more, consume more. You deserve it. You should have it. You deserve it. You should have it. You deserve it. You should have it. We're going to prove to you that you should have it. We're going to put on all of the, come on, you've seen these already. Some of y'all don't watch commercials because you got DVR and all that stuff, but you see all these commercials. It's already started, y'all. Everything with a bow on it. Get your baby a new Lexus this Christmas. <laughs> That's what you need. And all these, all these things, it's, it's complicating our lives in this area. Consume more. We think that our overconsumption, which leads to debt, is normal. After all, it's just what Americans do, right? We're just always going to have some debt. It's just normal. We're always going to have debt. Here's, here's what I think. I think that Satan is great at molding our minds to fit his purpose. <laughs> He is excellent at molding your mind to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in these areas, especially in the area of money. If he can get us to justify one, pur one purchase, then the next one will come a little bit easier. And here's what the Bible says, and we're not going to read this. And I just want to talk about it for just a moment. But the Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. Anybody ever read this verse before? You read that and you're like, ah, oh, slave. Here, what does that look like practically? You want to tithe, but you're strapped. Borrower is slave to the lender. <laughs> you want to be generous, but when you do the math, you're already living off 110% of your income. So where's it going to come from? Ain't got no margin. Ain't got no room. You want to accept the invitation to go out to dinner with your friends, but you don't know how you're going to pay for it. You had intentions to pay off the balance at the end of the month, but something came up, and now that $500 purchase is costing you $700 because of interest over time. Can we be real at church today? Y'all are looking at me like, oh, babe, is there a back way out of here? <laughs> the borrower is slave to the lender. 
We don't think about it in some of these ways, but some of these scenarios we find ourselves in are proving what was written in the Bible. And for some reason, we read over it, we just pass right by it, we don't apply it, and it's a problem. So is, is debt bad? I think that, that debt can be bad, but is debt the cause of our financial problems? Mm-mm. Debt's not the cause of your financial problems. Debt is not the cause of my financial problems. I believe there's something much deeper that causes us to find ourselves in financial stress, striving to find a way out. But here's the good news today. God has a plan and a way for you to find blessing in the area of finances. And today is not going to be a message on giving. We're not going to be talking specifically about giving. So some of y'all, some of y'all, you just got real tight in your seat. You can just loosen up. You can relax. We're not taking up another offering. <laughs> but I think there are some things that, 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 that God wants me to tell you that are kind of going more to the root of what is the cause of all this. Today is more about how we can see our finances as God sees our finances. Because I think if we can get our perspective right, it will change other things. We don't, need to treat a, we don't need to treat a symptom. We need to go back and say, okay, how does God see my money? And when I learn to see my money the way God sees my money, then I'll do with my money what God wants me to do with my money. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's the truth. And I want to remind you again before we jump into some practical application today of our theme verse that, that we're focusing on in all of these areas, that, that we believe this is what Jesus wants for you. It's John 10.10. 10. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Some translations, steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus has come, to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So Jesus' desire for your life in the area of finances is for you to be blessed, for you to be fulfilled, so that it overflows. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Do you, do you, are you hearing me today? We're in a culture that says take what you get and spend more on yourself and consume. And God says, and we're going to look at some practical things. God says, listen, I want to bless you so that you can bless other people. I want to give you more than enough. So that you can bless other people, so that you can help other people, so that you can be a blessing in the world. So as we jump into some things that we need to understand about money, I want to start with this story from the Bible. And this is about, is it all right if we, we, we read some Bible today? Uh, this is in Matthew 25, and this is where we're going to start in verse 14. We're going to read about 16 verses and uh, go from there today. So it says this in Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Check that out. We could preach a whole message on that. Dividing it in proportion. Some of y'all looking at y'all's two bags and thinking, "Woo, why they got five? Well, God gave it to you in proportion to your ability. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> he then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. 
The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Woo! Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Woo! <laughs> oh, y'all are such a fun church. You know that? You guys. <laughs> oh. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest off of it. Then he ordered... Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if we were going to get a biblical godly perspective on money and finances what would that perspective be i want to give you three points as we go through this if you want to write these down here's point number one it all belongs to god it all belongs to god every bit of it i'm going to make a strong statement i want you to listen but this is uh the first thing that i think we need to understand Uh, every person every family has to understand this before we can do anything else Every dollar you have in your wallet or in your bank account belongs to God. Can I say that again? Every dollar you have in your wallet, in your pocket, in your bank account, in your investment, whatever it is, it all belongs to God. Well, how do you know? How do you know it all belongs to God? Well, let's go back and look at the first two verses that we just read. Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he did what? He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Where did the money come from? From the master. From the master. It all belongs to God. Everything that you have belongs to God and was given to you by God. And we simply have to get this concept because if we don't, we will never understand why we have what we have and what it's actually for. Listen to me. 
If we don't understand first that it all belongs to God, we'll never know why we have this, what it's for, what the purpose of it is, and we'll just use it for whatever we want. And I'm not preaching against stuff. I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help me. You got to understand it all belongs to God. What you would call your money is actually God's money. It all belongs to God. Well, I thought that the tithe belonged to God. The tithe belonged to God. The tithe, and we're, this is not a tithing message, so just relax for a moment. The tithe was set apart, but all 100% of it came from God. Every bit of it came from God. 100% of everything you have belongs to God. It all belongs to God. So here's point number two. I am a steward. If it all belongs to God, I am a steward. See, the danger in our finances lies when we see ourselves as a rightful owner instead of a trusted steward. My money. My choice. My decision. Mine, 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 mine. The problem lies whenever we see ourselves as rightful owners. I deserve this is mine. I earned this. I did it. I, it all came from God. It all came from God. God gave you the job that you have to make it. It all comes from God. I want to look at Mark chapter 10, talking about I am a steward, starting in verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. He fell on his knees before Jesus. Good teacher, he said. What must I do to receive eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God. You know what the commandments say. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not be a false witness. Do not cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he said, as most of us would. I've obeyed all those since I was a boy. Since I was a kid, I hadn't. I haven't murdered, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't, I haven't stolen, I haven't been a false, I haven't cheated, I, have, I, I tried to honor my father. I've done that since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Come on, can we just, can we just not read over what, G, what, just, what was in the Bible? <laughs> Jesus looked at him and, say it with me, loved him. And because he loved him, this is what Jesus said, you are missing one thing, he said. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The man's face fell. He went away sad because he was very rich. Can I tell you what I feel like? And, and there, are, there are a bunch of different directions that we can go with these five or six verses. But here's, here's, what, here's what I think. This man saw his wealth and finances as something that he owned and not something to obey God with. He saw, so when Jesus said, here, here's what Jesus did. He gave him some instruction. Here's where I want you to, to take this money. Here's what I want you to do with this money that I have given you. That I have blessed you with. And the man walked away sad because he had a whole lot of stuff. 
And he didn't want to do what God said to do with it. He didn't want to do what God said. Jesus was basically telling this man what he wanted him to do with his wealth. And the man wasn't willing to do it. So he walked away. I got a lot of stuff. I don't know if I can obey that. I got a lot of money. I don't know if I can obey that. We're doing pretty good. I don't know if I can obey that. Money's tight right now. I don't know if I can obey that. I don't, I, 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 I don't know if I can obey with my finances. See, God has a plan for what he has entrusted to you. And if you're not desiring to use your finances for his plan, chances are it's because you see it as yours and not his. And only when you learn how to move from owner to steward will you be able to determine how to use what he's given you productively. When you make the shift from this isn't mine, I'm a steward. God has given me 100% of everything that I have, and I'm going to move out of this position, and I'm going to move into a position of stewardship. And God, whatever you tell me to do with this, that's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. God, should we buy that? I'm a steward. Should we, should we spend our money there? I'm a steward. You, you've given me all of this, so what, 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 is the most, what is the most productive thing that you would want me to do with this? We've set aside some. What do you want me to do in this area of my life? That's what being a steward looks like. See, a steward is traditionally someone who takes care of someone else's stuff. Stewardship is about your heart. And I want you to think about this for a moment. I was thinking about this just, just last week. I don't know if anybody has ever asked you to house sit for them. Going on a trip, going to be gone for seven days or ten days. Will you just, you know, will you, will you just look after my house? Will you, will you sit in here? Will you live in here for a week, you know, so that somebody's always here? Will you do this? And what, what do we do, most of us? Like, we're taking care of every, we're like, man, I don't want to turn the thermostat down too much because their bill's going to be high. They're going to be like, what happened in here? Because this is not my house. They got a dog out back. I'm going to make sure that dog is fed. Because that's not my dog. And if that dog dies, it's going to look bad on me. And they're going to come back asking, why my dog dead? <laughs> why, why did you not take care of this? I asked you to sit in here. If something breaks, you got every kind of glue you can possibly get. Try and glue something back together. <laughs> why? Because it's not yours. And somebody asks you to take care of their stuff. And when something goes wrong, dear Lord, we're trying to fix it in a hurry. We got three days to get this problem solved because they're coming back. And I want them to be pleased with what I did. I want them to be pleased with what I did. I was thinking even this last week, uh, Dustin was telling me a story. They, uh, for pastor appreciation, we got this new fence in our backyard, around our backyard. And there were a few of them that were telling me the story. Whenever they took the old fence down, they were going to take our dog to, to, to his house. And the dog got loose in the neighborhood. And how many hours, how, was it over an hour? Over an hour. They're running around the neighborhood. They're knocking on neighbors' doors. 
they got, come on, listen to this, y'all. There was somebody, there was somebody pulled up in our, in our driveway like a week later and was saying, hey, how's your dog? We were out looking for your dog with some people that were over at your house. And the reason, he said, he said I, I was thinking, we can't lose this dog. This dog is not our dog. And he was talking about our oldest daughter because it's really like that's what she was wanting. She wanted this dog. It's like she is going to be so upset if we do not find this dog. Why? It wasn't their dog. They were, taking, they were supposed to be taking care of something that wasn't theirs. And so they were going to every length imaginable to find the dog. I mean, neighbors out just walking the streets. Knocking on doors. Can we look in your backyard? <laughs> We're missing a dog. <laughs> Why do we do these things? Because we don't want to mess up someone else's stuff or cause distrust in a relationship. We want to steward their house or steward their stuff well so they'll be pleased. And can I ask you a question? What if we viewed our finances that way? It's already, can I make a strong statement? It's already the truth whether you want to admit it or not. So the question is, are you going to lean into the way God designed it and look at your finances as a way, oh, God has given me everything that I have. What does he want me to do with it? What does he want me to do with it? I want to be pleasing. What, is, what does he want me to do with it? A steward watches over the domestic affairs so that the master can focus on whatever he deems most important. Can I tell you today, we have a master, and he has a plan, and he has entrusted money to us, and he gives us this money so we can steward it for him and accomplish his purpose on the earth. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil and let me tell you money is actually a tool that god has created to give you and give me so that we can accomplish things in the world so that we can make a difference in the world it's not money nobody's against money the bible says it's the love when you fall in love when you say this is my money this is my money that's when it becomes the root. <laughs> There's something going on inside of you, down deep, that is going to grow something out of you that you don't want. It's the love of money. So it all belongs to God. You are a steward. And here's point number three. God blesses good stewardship. Let's look back at the story of the three people that Jesus was talking to about and when he was telling this story in Matthew 25 starting in verse 19 says after a long time their master returned he entrusted this to him he leaves on a trip he comes back and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money whose money his money the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said master you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. And so now I will give you many more responsibilities. See, sometimes blessing looks like responsibility. 
Some of us are praying for a bigger check in the mail. And God says, mm, when you learn to steward this well, I'm going to give you some responsibility. <laughs> I'm going to give you some more so you can be responsible. Responsibility. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And check this out. Then he ordered. Who ordered the master? Who is this? Jesus. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. When God sees someone stewarding what he has given them well, he sees someone who can be trusted with more. When God sees someone who is stewarding what he has already given them well, he sees somebody that he can entrust with more. When God sees somebody who is not stewarding well what he has already given them, whoo, sounds kind of harsh, but he's going to take what he gave you and give it to somebody who is going to steward it well so that, that his purpose in the earth can be accomplished through what tool he has given us to use. When God sees someone stewarding something well, he says, there's somebody. There's somebody I can bless. There's somebody I can bless because they'll be a blessing. There's somebody that I can give more to because they'll be responsible. There's somebody who will steward. They stewarded, they stewarded this amount of money, so now I can trust them to steward twice that much because I know that they'll get my input on what they are supposed to do with it. I know that they'll steward it well. Just recently, I saw a video. Robert Morris is a pastor of Gateway Church in, in the Dallas area. And, and he used this, this story and he equated it to uh, Jesus going away and entrusting certain amounts of money for his wife to be taken care of. And he said, if I am entrusting three people with certain amounts of money to take care of my bride while I'm gone and I tell you that I'm coming back. Whenever I come back and I find out or I check with my wife and I find out that, ah, you know, this amount, like he brought this amount to me and was taking care of me. And then the next month he took, a, took care of me a little bit more. And then the next couple of months there was nothing. He was just keeping it all for himself. And he said, how do you think that makes me feel? If you're not doing with it what I have intended for you to do with it, how do you think that makes me feel? I can tell you how it would make me feel. I'm not giving you any more money. Because you're not willing to do with it what I have purposed for it to be used for. And I'm going to take what I was giving you, and I'm going to give it to the person that was stewarding it well, and was doing what I was having them do with the, the finances and the material things that I have given them so that they could be a blessing in other people's lives. Can I tell you this? And I think we have this on the screen. It's not those who beg who receive blessing. It's those who steward what they have for God's purpose. 
I'm going to bring the worship team back up. I'm going to make a, another strong statement. I'm just full of strong statements in this series, but I'm trying to help us uh, over the next few weeks. It's not those who beg who receive blessing. God's already set that process up. So some of us are praying for something that is going to require a change in you to get. Can I say that again? Some of us are praying for something. Financial blessing, more, whatever it is. And God says, I've already set up the process and the system for that. And when I see somebody who is stewarding well what I've already given them, I know I can give them more. I know I can give them more. It's, I don't know any other way to say it. I feel like, I'm just telling you, I feel like in my, in my heart, there are, there are, I don't know if it's many, I don't know what it is, but we are praying for financial blessing, and God is telling you today through this guy standing right here before you that in order for you to get that, there is something you have to do. There's something you have to do. You have to take what you already have and say, God, how do I steward this? And then obey. And whenever you obey and you use it the way that God intends for you to use it, he looks at that and he says, hey, here's somebody who's stewarding this well. I can give them more. I can bless them with more. I can, because they'll be responsible. They'll be good stewards of it. It's the way, it, it's the way God has already designed it. This is not my opinion. This is the way that God designed it. There's really no other way around it. This is what God has intended for us to do. Will you stand to your feet today? We're going to sing in just a moment and pray. And I'm hoping that God is doing something in your heart in this area. Uh, there's a story, and I want to just read it to you because there was no way I could remember everything, every detail of this story. But I want to share this story with you. And then we're going to pray together and we'll be dismissed today. But it says there was a story about an aircraft carrier that was warring on the open seas. The number of sailors and airmen. The most crucial resources on the ship was limited. As the war raged, the planes were quickly taking off from the carrier until none were left. Soon, most of the men were in the air, and only a few remained on the ship. While the planes flew, the ship came under attack. The men who remained on the carrier did the best they could to fend off the attack, but it was a futile effort. The ship soon had holes in it, and the carrier was taking on water. The men on the ship tried to fix them, but with most fighting in the air and some fighting on the ship, there was not enough manpower to mend the holes. The captain soon realized what was happening and ordered the planes to come back. They needed to save the ship. Without the ship, the planes could not land or take off again. The men in the air would be stranded and the situation would ultimately lead to their deaths. It was, it was great that they had many planes in the air, but without the ship, the fight was lost. One by one, they landed on the ship with each aircraft that arrived. More and more men became available to fend off the attack and fix the holes. The carrier was saved. The captain had made the right decision and because the ship was saved, they were able to live to fight another Day. Can I tell you today, 
there are many of us in this room that are trying to figure out our finances. And we're trying to do this, and we're trying to do that, and if we could just get this done, and if we could just get that done, and if we could just pay this off, and if we could just go there, and if we could just make a little bit more, and if I just got another job, and if I just got a better paying job, and if I did all this, and can I tell you today, God is calling all of your planes back to the ship because if you don't understand that it all belongs to God, that He's called you to be a steward, and that He only blesses good stewardship, then when the ship sinks, everything goes with it. Some of us are trying so hard in our own strength, and the reason it's not succeeding is because we are not working on saving the ship. Can I encourage you today? Go back and save the ship. Go back and declare everything that I have belongs to Him. Everything that I have was given to me. He has called me to steward it, not own it. Not own it. Not make my own decisions with what I think is best. But to steward it for His purpose. And to realize that when I steward it for His purpose, He blesses that. He blesses me. He can give me more responsibility because I can be trusted we got to go back and save the ship. Get all the planes that you've been trying. You've just been sending out planes trying to fix it all. And bring them all back and say, this is where we got to stand. This is what we got to fix. This is the hole that needs to be filled. Right now, this is under attack, not that. And I'm in the air trying to fight stuff when I'm being attacked at the ship. And I've got to go back and save the ship. I've got to go back and save the ship. God, I thank you today. I want to bring our prayer team down. I thank you today for your word. I thank you that you are one you desire so much to teach us in this area of our lives. God, I thank you that you're not mad at us. You're not frustrated. That you are a loving God that today is simply calling us to come back to the ship. To come back to the root of it all. And to get the foundation right to get the ship repaired so that we can take what you have given us, Lord, and, and be trusted with it and steward it well so that we can be given more, so that we can have this overflowing, abundant life in the area of our finances, God, to where we are meeting needs and we are accomplishing your purpose and we are doing what you have called us to do. And God, I pray today that in every person's heart, Lord, would you please, would you please, Help us to go back to the ship. Help us to go back to the beginning. Help us to go back to where the root of the problem lies. And that we would begin to see money the way that you see money. And Lord, I pray that if there's any person here today who needs prayer for any area of their life, Lord, that you would draw them for prayer. As we sing this last song, God, we declare you are good and you are faithful. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.